Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. Are you looking at Exodus 33? Let me give you a, a quick story here. I know you heard this before, but there's a, a farmer out one day out working with his horse, Buddy. His horse name was Buddy. He's out there messing with them, feeding them, taking care of them, grooming them, taking care of them. All of a sudden, a stranger pulled up, walked up to him and said, hey, uh, could, I wonder if you could help me out. Could your horse pull my car out of the ditch? Down the road, a little, beat, down a little piece from the driveway, he said, I went off the road in the ditch. I got a little car and it's off in the ditch. And I think maybe your horse, could he pull it out? And the man kept reassuring the farmer that the, that, uh, that the car was small, which shouldn't be a problem. And the farmer said, well, I'll come down and look at it, but I'm not sure Buddy can pull that thing out of there or not, but we'll see. So he took Buddy down there and all the things he needed to hook it up, and he went down to see the car. Sure enough, it was a small car, and it was in a ditch. So he hooked everything up, and got, the farmer hooked everything up to his horse, Buddy, and got things going and uh, ready to go. And the farmer uh, began to give the commands to get the, to get the car out. And first the farmer said, pull, Casey, pull. But the horse wouldn't budge. Then the farmer said, pull, Bailey, pull. But the horse didn't budge. The farmer said, pull, Mandy, pull. And yet the horse didn't budge. Finally, the farmer said, pull, buddy, pull. And buddy began to pull and pull the car right out of the ditch. Quick as anything. And the guy in the car was scratching his head saying, what's going on here? So he, he said, uh, why did you call your horse all those different names? He said, well, Buddy's blind and he wouldn't pull by himself. <laughs> so I had to make sure somebody else was there to help him out. <laughs> and I want to preach on kind of that thought this morning that you and I don't need to live the Christian life by ourselves because we're not by ourselves. We have someone to help us out. And I want to preach on that today. If you would, so if you would stand with me as our custom would, would you stand with me in respect for God's word as we read some verses here? Exodus chapter 33, we'll begin reading in verse number 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Don't you love the fact that Moses knew that God knew his name? Don't you love the fact today that God knows your name? You're not by yourself. Verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found, I want you to notice this, grace, again, grace in thy sight. I thought we're in the Old Testament. Well, there's plenty of grace all over the Old Testament. Show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, this is Moses speaking, my presence shall, I'm sorry, God speaking now, and he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, Moses speaking, if thy presence go not with me, carry us up not hence. Or Moses said, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. 
How's that? For wherein it shall be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in thy, if thou goest with us, so shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, if I do this thing also thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Then he said, Thou canst not see my face, for thou shalt no man see my face and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass when my glory passeth by, and I will put thee on a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand will I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face thou shalt not be seen. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to look in thy word again this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord. I, I, not only do I enjoy the opportunity to preach, but I understand the responsibility that's been given to me for the next few moments to help your people with your word. And God, I'm just a human instrument today that truly wants to be used by you to help encourage your people. So God bless us today. Give us all listening near and a listening heart. In your name I pray today. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I appreciate that. Known for a few weeks I was going to be preaching this morning. I was on the schedule that Pastor would be going on vacation this weekend, so I've known for a while and kind of was doing some heads up, looking ahead and studying ahead. And to be honest about it, I had a sermon last week all ready to go. And the sermon was called Get a Grip. Get a Grip. And I was going to go through some of the things that are happening and what the Bible talks about in the end time, what things are going to be like. And it talks about possessing your soul and it talks about in your patience and things like that. And I was going to just let that go. But Monday I was coming down to the church and as I normally do, I was listening to the Bible on my Go Bible. I have about a half hour drive to get here and I was listening to it. And I listened to this chapter. And God said, you need to preach on this topic this week. And you say, oh, did you hear him talk? No, but you know. So I said, but God, I already have a sermon ready to go. I don't have to do any studying. I'm ready to go. I argued a little bit. And it was clearly, clearly, no doubt, this is the thought God would have me to bring this morning. So I have no doubt this is for somebody's here this morning. And I don't, and I do think after thinking about this and studying it. It's a new sermon. I've never preached a sermon before, so it's not something I've reheated up even though I get accused of that. Uh, but it is a new sermon today. But uh, I think it's something that we all need, and I think it's, what's, it's the missing ingredient in God's people living the way they're supposed to live while they're here. And I think it'll help you out if you listen to me. From Exodus 20 to Exodus 33, Moses is with God on Mount Sinai. For 40 days and 40 nights, they're up there together having a time. Moses hasn't eaten. He hasn't had anything to drink. He's been watching the finger of God write out the commandments on the tablets. And he's been talking. After 40 days, you know what's happened down the camp 
Aaron and the people have totally, and the totally thing just blows my mind. While Moses is having a, a experience with God on the mount, the people are having an experience with the devil down on earth. Right? Just, just amazing. Just amazing when you think about it. Just, just amazing. But anyhow, so God tell hey, Moses, you better go down there. Uh, they're having trouble down in the camp. Things are happening. You need to go back and take care of it. And we'll go through the story. But Moses goes back down the mount, and he had a spell. He just had enough. And he let them all have it. In fact, I'm pretty sure that by now, God and Moses both have had enough of peoples. Peoples. I say that on purpose. Moses gets things taken care of, and he and God have another meeting at the tabernacle. The men are watching Moses head to the tabernacle. They're watching God and Moses have this discourse at the tabernacle as the cloudy pillar descended upon it. And Moses and God are having another time together. Moses' prayer to God here, and God answers him. Moses was asking for the same thing I believe Paul talked about in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him that I may know him. The same thing that Philip meant in John 14 when he says, show us the Father, it sufficeth us. And I believe every sincere child of God has a desire to know God. I really believe this morning the reason you're here is because you want to know God. If not, I want to know why you're here. But you're here because you want to know God. Moses knew that he needed the presence of God to go with him. He knew that he couldn't make it on his own. And how important it is that God uh, uh, made Israel that, import, that, that peculiar people and, definite, uh, and definitely different and uh, differently uh, separated from everyone else in the world. And the church also today is to be a peculiar people. We're to be different. We're to live differently. We're to act differently. We're to respond differently. We are to possess our own souls. We're to be different. And this means that we are to be a people for God. It doesn't mean we're oddballs, but it means we're different. Moses couldn't actually see God face to face. He couldn't actually uh, see him, but the passage speaks about the glory that he saw, representing God as it passed by him, the Shekinah glory of God that Moses saw. And that is, that's the way Moses was going to walk. He knew the presence of God, and he knew if he didn't walk with God that uh, he was going to be a failure. And this morning, dear friend, you will not be the Christian God would have you to be if you do not go in the presence of God. Period. Period. We need his presence today as we face the problems of every day. And I, and I listen, and I know we get all wound up. We see what's happening in the news and what's happening here. And it's easy for a preacher to say, oh, our world is crazy and it's falling apart. And this is going on. That's going on. That's been going on since Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay. And why? It's people. It's people but doesn't give us the right not to walk with our God and have his presence on our life. In chapter 34, God tells Moses there to tabernacle, I want you to go get two tablets. You get them yourself this time. I want you to come back up the mountain, meet me. 
another 40 days without food and water goes Moses back up to Mount Sinai. Now, folks, if you know me, I don't go 40 minutes without eating something. That's why when I'm done, I'm done. We're going home because lunch is calling you with me. Let alone four days, let alone 40 days. If I read the scripture right, Moses is now heading to 80 days, two different times, on the mount with God without eating or drinking. There's a lot of sermons to preach off of that. I don't have time for that today. But I got to tell you this. Isn't that wonderful to know that God is all you'll ever need? Amen. God is all you ever need. When you're in the presence of God, food and water and those things, they don't matter to you anymore. But he goes up there again. So this morning, the the thought that I want you to kind of get you intrigued with with your mind is this. Have you ever been to a spot in life where you knew you had to have and fill in the blank? You had to have a healing. You had to have intervention. You had to have something in your life, and you have to fill the blank in for your own individual self. But you needed something. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know where to go. And you didn't know how you were going to make it. Have you been there? If you haven't been there once or twice in your life, can you talk to me after church today? Because I'd like to know how you got there. But to many of God's people, we're trying to live a life without the presence of God in our life, or as we know, term today, the Holy Spirit in our life. I've been teaching on the Holy Spirit in our Sunday school class, and I've been enjoying it, totally enjoying it myself, to be honest about it. But you and I, as saved, born-again believers, should never live one second of our life without the acknowledging the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And that's what's missing today. We go to work, we go to school, we come to church, we interact with other people, and I don't want to have one moment of my life not knowing that I'm in the presence of God is with me while I'm doing whatever he's trying to get me to accomplish. He cares about your job at work. He cares about your relationship with your family and your friends and your neighbors. He cares about your ministry at your church. He cares about those things. He wants to be a part of it. He wants to go to the grocery store, dear, so you can save more money. <laughs> it's amazing how a, a, a wife can go to the store and come home and tell me how much money she saved after she spent so much money. But it was on sale, honey. My mom used to call it shopping in the spirit. You been there? I love, I love that phrase. Mom had a lot of those phrases. She used to call it shopping in the spirit. But we never have to live one second, one even time of relaxing without relaxing and knowing that the very presence of God will go with me. So the question arises. Has anyone seen God? John 1.18 tells me that no man has seen God at any time. And yet we see here that God, as much as he can, is revealing himself to Moses in a way because Moses says, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. 
And I think every person listening to me today, listen to me, your prayer ought to be every day, God, if you're not going to go do this, I'm not going either. I think it would change the way we live. It would change the way we get along with people. It would change what we do in our lives. It would, I think it would revolutionize a lot of things in our life. But we do see and we do know that Christ, God was seen through the revelation veiled in his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to give you six statements from, this, from these verses, kind of a different sermon outline that I normally do. Uh, but I think the story, is, story and tells itself, it'll help us all. I got a couple of things I think are very, very helpful to you. So I'm just going to start dropping these things on you real quickly here. And I want you to see what we need. I'll get down to an application at the end. Number one is this, Moses sees all, of, sees all of God that he can see. He sees all of God that he can see. Face to face refers here to the surface of God. It is the same way of the face of the earth and the spirit of God moved upon the earth when it was void and without form in Genesis. It's, it's this a surface view of God, of God is what Moses saw there. And we can see the presence of God in his creation. There's not a day in which you and I live that we cannot see the face of God in his creation. In his creation. He walks with us and he talks with us and he tells us that we are his own. And we share joy with him as we tarry there. But nothing to me speaks quick, more quickly in my life is when I see, I view the beauty of God's creation. That's God. That's the surface of God. It's beautiful. And you can go anywhere in the world and find the beauty of God everywhere. May not be your first. Some of you like the mountains. Some of you like the beach. I'm still trying to figure that out. But some of you like the beach. Some of you like nowhere. I don't know where you like. Some of you like your backyard. Some of you like to view mountains. Some of you like to, I like to maybe go to Alaska someday and see the beauty up there, but I don't want to travel. I'd rather you just somehow ship me there, you know, in mail or something like that. Can you overnight me somehow? And uh, I love to see, I was in India a number of years ago, and I saw some beautiful scenery in India, and I saw some other things that weren't quite so beautiful, but I saw some beautiful things, and I saw uh, God's creation even there, and it's amazing. And listen, you and I, every day of our lives can see God's presence among us in his creation. We see it in the light that he provides for us. We see it in the air spaces around us. We see it in the dry land. We see it in plant life. We see it in the sun and the moon and the stars. We see it in animal life. We have a property where we live at, and we have all kinds of zoo, zoo creatures that live with us. It's never know what you're going to find outside in our yard. Yesterday, it was two little fawn deer running around the yard, sleeping in the yard like no big deal. Like, this is the place to hang out at. I mean, we have geese and ducks, and, and uh, uh, we have them all. We have the coyote, and we have uh, all the rabbits, and we got birds, and we got everything. We've got a bird sleeps on our porch, and uh, we got everything. We trained them well, and uh, it's beautiful. But to me, I get to look out my window. I get to see the surface of God. It reminds me today, Barry, you don't have to live on your own today. My presence will go with you. The surface of God. Moses is the human agent whom God used to write the book of Genesis. Can you imagine how Moses felt as he pinned down Genesis? 
He wasn't there. He never saw the Garden of Eden. He never saw the beginning. He never saw the three rivers. He never saw the beauty of the garden. And Moses writing and said, man, God, this is great. This is great. Man, your beauty is something I didn't realize. As he penned down and described to us the Garden of Eden. And of course, God, in most miraculous way, made every one of us a new creature. We are a new creation. So every day you see yourself in the mirror. I know you don't believe this. If the mirror doesn't crack, you tell yourself, I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. And today I need you to go with me. In creation. Of course, God made us new. Number two, second statement is this in verse number 12. And God and Moses spoke to each other in verse number 12. I love the thought here of God and Moses talking to each other. Oh, my dear friends, how, we should, how our life would change if we truly got a hold of this truth this morning, that when we pray, we, in a manner of speaking, are talking to God. If the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead, and when I pray, I'm talking to God. I know he utters a prayer to God because I don't know, I have any idea what I'm praying for. But I have the whole truth that I can speak to God. I don't need somebody in a telephone booth to talk to, to talk to God. Some of you have no idea what a telephone booth is, is do you? I can speak to God and God will speak to me. And I know our mindset of life is why when we, uh, we're left here behind to do a work for God and it'll change us and get a hold of us. But if you realize when you speak to God, he hears Amen. what you're saying. He hears what you're saying. I'm, I'm not left here behind to serve myself. I'm here to serve God. And when I speak, he has an answer. But I have figured out serving him and serving God, he will serve me the desires of my heart and my desires change what I may want and don't want in serving God. I found out you can't outserve God without him serving you and blessing you and guiding you and leading you. My, how this could solve our relationships problems today if you realize that, that if you had a personal relationship with God, it would change every relationship in our lives. I'm, let me get real pastoral and counselor right now, quickly. When you can't get along with other people, you're telling me you don't spend much time with God. Because if I spend time with God, every relationship I have becomes enriched because I've spoken to the master of relationships. Amen. Amen. Yes. Now, I'm not saying you gotta have to Sit down, sit down, have break bread with them. But I'm saying you can't get along with them. And when you have relationship issues, it tells me the fact that your relationship with God is not very good. When you left this morning, you didn't ask for his presence to help you, to go with you. You're, gonna, you're your own man, your own person. You're going to go do it yourself. And listen, when I find out I can talk to God, I got a problem with somebody. He can help me with it. He helped me solve the problem. Number three, quickly, I'm going to get through these. I'm trying, I'm trying to beat 1130. <laughs> but don't hold your breath. <laughs> Number three, 
Moses finally realized that he must find grace himself with God. And I want you to listen. If you've got the Bible there, I want you to go back. We're going to review these verses here. Moses realized that he must find grace himself with his God. Not God found grace with Moses. We'll get that in a second. But that Moses is now finding grace with his God. Look at verse 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, who's talking here? Moses. See, thou sayest unto me, bring up this people. Moses, you want me to, bring this, you want me to do this for you? And thou hast not let me know whom that will send with me. God said, hey, Moses said, uh, Moses said hey, who's going to help me do this? Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name. And thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. Moses talking, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And consider that this nation is thy people. God has already bestowed his grace upon us. We must learn to bestow our grace upon God. And you say, you are talking like a crazy man right now. What are you talking about? Okay, the word grace means unmerited favor, right? We all know that. You've been in church long, you know that. You know, you hear that, beat, beat the drums about that. But you, I want you to tell you something. The same grace here in Exodus 33 is the same grace you find in the New Testament. It's favor. It's favor. Same, same definition, same word. Isn't that amazing how it's the same word? And what God is saying, what Moses is saying, you know what, God, for sure, for sure I wasn't sure about this plan you have. I wasn't sure who all was going to go. I wasn't sure how we were going to do this. So God, to be honest about it, I was a little bit reluctant to put all my favor towards you and your plan. You with me? But after this 80 days... <laughs> that we've been together. I got a feeling I can trust you now. Of course, 40 and then 40, but, but I can trust you now. So what Moses is saying here is, God, not only I know you found favor with me, but finally I have found favor with thee. I have found unmerited favor with you. What, what's he saying? God, I'm going to trust you with my life because if you don't go with us, we're in trouble. If you don't go with me, I'm done for I wonder today how many sit under the sound of my voice this morning and you haven't trusted God enough to give him favor in your life yet because you think you know more than God knows. You believe you have more power than God has. You're talking about the creator of the world and you're holding him accountable. It's awful quiet right now. I was studying this Tuesday morning. I had to stop and ask God to forgive me. So I can't preach that. I don't even live that myself. What's all about, though, isn't it preaching and trusting God? We are living in a day when God's people deny the power thereof. It's not by might. It's not, it's not by our strength. It's by his power, saith the Lord. 
Moses is asking the same thing that I mentioned that Paul said, that I may know him. Same thing Philip said, show us the Father. It's the same thing, realizing that I need to let myself go. I need to find favor in God and what God will do in my life. When you let go and let God, which is another sermon for another day, uh, you'll be surprised what happens in your life. And I believe every sincere child of God has a desire to know God. And the problem is you've not found favor enough with your God. We've got plenty of lip service, but we've got a lack of heart service. We'll finally say, you know what, God? I find favor with you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to bestow grace upon you. It'll change the way you live. Change the way you live when you trust God that way. I believe every one of us here has a desire to know. Number four, I'm going quickly. Number four, I like this one. Moses was given the rest. I believe he was looking for in verse 14. He was given the rest. In verse 14, he said, my presence shall go with thee, God speaking, and I will give thee rest. Now, they're getting ready to go on a journey. When's the last time you ever rested on your vacation? Huh? When's the last time vacation didn't cost you more than you wanted it to cost you? How many of you are still paying for vacation? No, don't raise your hand. You and MasterCard, still paying for it. But the rest here, the rest means to cause to have quiet from, from uh, uh, infested troubles or harassing troubles. And what God is saying is, Mo- uh, Moses, I'm going to give you something you've never even imagined as you go through this tra- trouble, as you go through this harassment, as you go through the murmuring and the complaining that's yet to come. When you go through the spell of no water, you go through the spell of no food, I'm going to tell you what, I am going to give you rest from those troubles. This morning, I can guarantee you one thing. When you walk in the presence of God in your life, you'll find rest in the midst of anything that comes your way. I didn't say trouble doesn't come. I'll say you find rest in the midst of trouble. Why? The presence of of God is with you. The promise we have is as life unfolds, we have God's presence to go with us and rest amidst of trouble. Far too many of God's children uh, were living in defeat, not in victory. And it's our fault. Again, we go back to the giving God grace. There's no doubt we are to put on the armor of God. There's no doubt we're to be put on the new creature. And I'm going to tell you, our responsibility in this Christian life is that we are to put on the armor of God. It's not some pill you take and all of a sudden you have it. It's not something that, that just uh, uh, happened. We just become a new person. Uh, we have a new heart. We have a new nature. But we've got to put something on to change it. I've never, ever walked in my closet door and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit of God dressed me. <laughs> that would be a great thing to sell, by the way. <laughs> HVC, right? Wasn't that CVS, whatever that thing is. They sell all that stuff. I'd sell, I'd sell that, but I've never gone to my dresser drawer and said, okay, close, come on. I've never gone in the mirror and said, okay, brush, brush my hair. And Lord, how I wish I could say to the razor, razor, please shave me. Because I hate shaving. It's never happened. If it's going to happen, you're going to have to help it happen. 
If you want to become the creature you want to become, you're going to have to put off the old man and put on the new man. That's how it works. Yes, God helps us. And yes, God gives us strength. But in the midst of these troubles, we can still have rest. What do we do? How do we get there? I think often we should go by ourselves and get alone. You should have periods of your life where you get alone with God. It's nothing but you and God, your husband, your wife, your kid, your dog, your phone, your tablet, your iPad. I promise you, you can still breathe without your phone. You with me? It's called breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. Breathe out. It's natural. It's not a command. Some of you think of the app on your phone for breathing one off, you'd be dead. You can make it. Well, I have to know. You don't have to know. I found myself, I'm better off not knowing. You're with me? Better off not knowing things. And, uh, but, but we live in, in this uh, doubt and we live in all this world and troubles are going to come. I need to get along with God and re charge my faith and recharge my grace of my Savior and recharge my life. I got to get alone and do that. And spend some time with God. Remember, he is the one who prepared you and he is the one who's letting you serve him. And we need to get alone and spend some time with God and trust him. Trust him. When the hardships come, do you trust them? I've been in the hospital bed myself. I've said this before when the doctor says, if you live, you live. That was 30 years ago. I'm still here. I've been there. What are you going to do? Do you fret and worry? I can't fret and worry. If I go, I go. Right? You got you to you let God give you the rest you need for whatever's happening in life. You got to not leave your life. We're so... But what if, what if whatever happens? Wouldn't it be great if the world was perfect like we are? You know, if the government ran itself like you run your house, we'd still be a mess. Right? Why? Because we're a mess. We're a mess. But I want to be prepared. I want that rest from God. And I found out that serving God, he gives me a rest when, that I just can't explain. Number five. Did I tell you there's 25 of these? Uh, you remember. See, you remember six. See, look at that. Somebody's listening to me. Amen. Number five. In verse 15, refuse. Now we're getting out of the application. Refuse to go anywhere without him. Verse 15, he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us up, not up. Hence, I'm not going if you're not going. Have you ever been there? I'm not going if you're not going. God, I may be selfish about this, but I'm not going without you. I don't want to be carried away with this, but, but too far, but I don't want to go anywhere uh, without consideration. Is God going with me? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? I need to be agreed with God so we can walk together. Amen. Two can't walk together. And most often, then the problem is not that we are not concerned where God is going. We're concerned about where we're going. Yeah. 
But our life should be wrapped up in this. God, it doesn't matter anymore where I want to go. Where do you want me to go? Or better yet, where are you going? And I want to go with you. Where are you going? I want to go with you. It's not by accident who's sitting here in the pews this morning. Who's sitting here there, people who said one time, I want to go where God wants, where God's going. I'm going where God's going. And our, our own life, ain't and I own life. I'll go through the story this morning for time's sake, because it's already past 1130, I can see. And, uh, but, but uh, uh, I, listen, uh, I, we talk often, even now after four years, like we cannot believe where we're at and what we're doing. But I want to be where God's at. Amen. I want to be where God's doing. Yes. Picked up and, and left everything we had. Thought we were pretty stable and secure. I thought we were. Thought things were fine. But God said, hey, I want you. I'm going down here. You want to go with me? Okay, let's go. No job. I bought a house online. Is that a good thing to do, buy a house online? The pictures look really good. They were someone else's house. No. <laughs> right, we bought a house online. The only, only uh, uh, thing I asked was I wanted to see the house first in person. I drove down there after we picked out the house and bought it. We were putting money down on it. We are, it was ours. And uh, here we are. You're stuck with us. But I did it because I had the assurity of the fact, knowing that presence of God is with me, and this is where he would have us to go. So I want to go. I don't want to miss the dump. My wife's laughing. She knows the story. I have a preacher friend of mine that he's passed away now. He was an evangelist for many, many years, but he's passed. His disease finally caught up with him and he passed away. But he used to tell the story how that uh, his dad would go to the dump on Saturday, take stuff to dump and dump off scrap from the yard and do whatever. And uh, to him, it was like a lot of work. So the brother went, and he didn't go. So the brother came back from dumping his dad, and he had ice cream all over his face. And he said, where'd you go? He said, well, we went to the dump. Yeah, but what's this around your face? Well, after that, we went, to the, we went to the ice cream place, the Dairy Queen. Amen? And what happens, folks, sometimes we're afraid to go to the dump, but if you don't go to the dump, you may miss the ice cream because you weren't willing to go to the dump. And we need to be willing to go where God's going. Moses knew that he needed the presence of God with him. He knew that he could not make it on his own. Verse 16, for wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? It is not. And if not, then thou goest, I'm sorry, is it not in thy goodest, goest, sorry, with us, sorry. Woo. I'm all wound up here. So shall we be separated, I and thy people, I want you to notice that point there. So shall we be separated. God, you're asking us to do something that if we do this, we are going to be different people. We are going to be called peculiar. Maybe even oddball. You know, now, now we're getting, we're getting, turn, we're getting uh, identified who we are. You know, we're haters, and even though we're Bible thumpers, but we're haters, we hate people, you know, we're racist, we're this and that, whatever. And uh, that's all right, go for it. 
The same kind of things that put Christ on the cross, by the way. But we're supposed to be different and peculiar in the way we live our lives. The church is to be a peculiar place in everything we're doing. And, uh, uh, and listen, God's people should be different. There should be something about us. And then the sixth thing is this, the last one, for those of you counting. Lord answers. What a promise. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. Moses is becoming very intimate with God to the point they are now on a first name basis. It's one thing to know somebody, it's something else to know somebody. We all have friends, and then we all have friends, right? Moses is becoming intimate. He said in verse 18, and he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. God, would you please show me who you are? Show me who you are. The more time you spend with God, the more intimate he becomes to you. And the less you care about the frivolous things of life. I'm leaving this place behind and you can have it. With all its problems, it's all its issues. I'm singing goodbye world, goodbye. And you can have it. And what the world does then and what the government does then and what the bank account does then and what the stock exchange does then, it don't matter. I'm not going to call it frivolous, but it's really not so helpful. When I leave, I'm sticking all my kids with my bills. <laughs> Their names aren't everything. They can pay for it. I'm going to get even. It doesn't matter. I'm just teasing about that. You can't do I don't think you can do that. Anyhow, maybe you can. But the more time you spend with God, the less we care about some things that don't matter. There are people who want to spend more time on things done their way than spending, things, spending time on things done God's way. Things of this world really mean more to them than the things of God. And we fuss and we feud over non-essential things that really don't matter. People are more concerned about traditions than they are about time with God. Don't you dare change that service. It's been that way since Noah got off the ark. Right? right. Don't you dare change the tradition. It's been that way since my grandma was there. Well, sir, grandma's gone. And so is that. I, I, I am the old person. I'm the old grandpa preacher that Pastor Dean talks about. I don't like things changing. How many old people like me? My weight changes, my hair changes, my diet changes, my memory's changing. I used to remember my wife's name. I can't remember anymore, so now it's just dear. There's some things I try to forget, and they keep coming back. They sit over here. And... Uh, <laughs> But I found out something, since, really since I've, we've been here at Central, 
been in the ministry, been involved. I found out that changing some things is always for the better, not for the worse. There's not really anything wrong with it. I mean, things are, things just are different. There, there, I've said this before, there are songs that we sing that, that, uh, that I like real well and I'm used to. And there's new songs I'm learning. I like them. I'm getting used to know them. That's, that's great. And there are songs I can't stand. But you don't know what they are. And you'll never know what they are. And he will never know what they are because it doesn't matter. Because it's not about Barry Murray. It's about Central Baptist Church and reaching our country and reaching our city for the gospel of Christ. It's not about me. A few weeks ago, we were on vacation. We were visiting a church not far from here. I didn't realize my friend was going there. And uh, we talked a little bit, and he said to me, well, you know what I was doing? I told him I was doing I was an associate pastor. He knew I pastored for many, many years. He said, you're associate pastor? How's that going for you? I said, it's going pretty good. He said, well, how can you do that? So how can I do what? He said, how can you be underneath the pastor now when you pastor for so many years? I said, because it's not about me. It's not about me. I have no aspirations of pastoring the church. I want to help the pastor and his people be all we can be for Christ. That's what it's all about. But you don't get there when you stick to yourself. You get there by walking with God. That's how you get there. Oh, don't you want to be the guy in charge? You can have that leadership stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> Moses' time with God led him in seeing God's glory and what a glory. Verse 19, he saw his goodness, his name, his grace and mercy. And when we step outside our little selfish world, we will begin to see the goodness of God in our lives. And I'm telling you, your life will change. You will grow spiritually like never before. Many of you are stunting your spiritual life because you refuse to live your life in the presence of God. Because you're afraid he's going to identify something that you need to get rid of. And that's not how it works, by the way. It's not how it works. But what I found is this, the more God I get, the less those things don't matter. The more God I get, the less that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter, that doesn't matter. How do you get there? Quickly and I'm done. Some of our problem is this, is that we have too much clutter in our lives. We need to clean out. Some of you are hoarders. Don't raise your hand. But by the reaction I got, a lot of you are hoarders. You, yeah, this, this is a little, little insight here, the office here. When you go to the uh, uh, four pastoral staff offices, you'll find out who doesn't believe in clutter. I'm not going to mention any names, but he's preaching right now. Because the office of mine is like bare compared to everybody else's. Now, Barry, obviously, he, he inherited some things he can't get rid of. But uh, we're working on that. But uh, I just, I like a clutter-free life. Some of you guys would be jealous. You saw my garage. It's organized. Tools are in the right place. If I can't use it in the next six months, it's going somewhere else. Why is it? It's clutter. 
Well, in 20 years, you may use it. Yeah, maybe, but somebody else can have it now. That's how, I, that's how I live. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. That's how I am. But let me get spiritual about this, and we're done. Spiritually speaking, we've cluttered our spiritual lives to the point we no longer desire to have the presence of God. God's presence can't fit with us because we've got too much going on in our lives. I get up, and this is my class. I get up in the morning. This is, works for me. I get up in the morning. I get down in our basement. I get my Bible open. I just spend time reading God's word. Why? I want to begin my day right. I want to start off right. The problem is now after all these years, I can't sleep in. I want to sleep in, but I can't sleep in. I, nothing wrong with sleeping in. I just can't do it. So I get up, get out of the bed, go downstairs and spend a little, Sometimes it's a half hour. Sometimes it may be longer. Um, sometimes it just depends on what time it is, what time I got to get going, where I'm doing that day. But I don't ever start a day without acknowledging the fact that I need God's presence in my life. I know no greater way to acknowledge his presence than through his holy word. Something physical I can do to hopefully have something spiritual happen in my life that day. And it don't matter where, when, or what you read, it's his word. And you spend time with him. And you get to know him. It's not when I do my sermon prep. It's not when I prepare my Sunday school class stuff. It's not when I do any of that stuff. It's just me and God and the word. And I speak, and hopefully he speaks back. And the way that happens is you get there by getting rid of some of the clutter They make alarm clocks. Some of you know what an alarm clock is. <laughs> I used to live this way where as soon as, as soon as the alarm went off, I had to go shower, change, shave, and get out of the house real fast and go wherever I was going to do, even in the ministry. But after all the years of walking with the Lord, I found out it's better off to get up, spend a few moments with him, then go shower, shave, and go mess with the world. I want his presence to go with me. I'm not going to be so stringent about this fact that, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit in food line and I'm going to say, okay, which, which set of beans do I buy? Del Monte or the Heinz? I don't, God, which one? I'm not the guy that prays in the parking lot. God, give me a good parking spot when I get to Walmart. There's not a good parking spot at Walmart anywhere. Your car can get hit anywhere. Right? But I know people who drive around. I got to find me a good part. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all today. I'm not saying that's what I do. But I am saying this to God today as I go out today. I sure need your presence. And if you can't go with me, I don't want to go. And may every born again believer, may that be their prayer that if God doesn't go, I'm not going either. In fact, God, where are you going? Can I go with you? Ought to be our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're a God who works in the hearts and souls of men. I thank you if for no other purpose this week, this sermon was for me. If for nobody else, it benefited me. And that's fine. But I know I'm amidst a group of people today that love you. They care about you. And they want to know you more. And they, like me, do not want to spend one moment of their lives 
without your presence in their life. May that be our prayer. May that be our desire. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.